Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas and JJ co-teach an Advent message talking about joy and love. They talk about how joy and love are found and promised in Jesus. Joy is found in Jesus looking at Nehemiah 8 verse 10 and how we can rejoice because God is bigger than our sin. Love is found by experiencing a loving relationship with God and overflowing that love to others around us, like we see in Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40. We hope you enjoy this message and have a Merry Christmas. Amen. Can we give it up for the worship team real quick? That was great, guys. Thank you so much. Um, We're blessed with a great worship team here, and I'm so thankful that um, we get to have such incredible worship on Sunday mornings. And really, that song was just really cool, too, because we got to see... It talked about how the infinite, infant God stepped down into our world. That's actually what we're going to be talking about today with Christmas time coming up. Um, how are y'all this morning? Can I get a good? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's Sunday. It's a good day, right? Um, so that's, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about something called Advent. So if you weren't here last week, we started something, a series called Advent, and Basically, Advent is a tradition from um, the churches I've been doing for a really long time, and it's four sermons. Um, it's usually four weeks, but we're doing it in two, so me and Dallas are tag-teaming today, just like we did last week. And it basically talks about the gifts that Jesus brought with him, um, how Jesus was a gift in and of himself. That's why we celebrate Christmas, by giving gifts. Um, he was the best gift that was ever given, but with him, we found four things, and these four things are hope, peace, joy, and love. And we find a lot of other things in Jesus, right? But those are just the main ones. And so last week, Dallas talked about hope, I talked about peace, and I'm gonna be talking about joy today. Everybody say joy with me. Joy, Joy. awesome. Yeah, so joy is something we super commonly talk about at Christmas, right? We go through the Christmas season super joyful. Christmas is all about joy, right? Santa's a jolly old dude. He's just, he's just a big guy in a red suit who likes to give people presents and eat cookies, right? That's Santa. Like, that's the main part about Christmas. And then you get, you get people like Elf, Buddy the Elf, um, in the movie, and he's smile. I love smiling. Smiling's my favorite, right? He's always got a smile on his face. He's always, <laughs> I know, <laughs> you're not Santa. <laughs> um, it's super fun, right? He's always smiling. He's always happy. Santa. Christmas is all about joy. On three, yell out the thing that makes you most happy at Christmas. One, two, three. Fortnite! I heard way too much Fortnite. Way too much. <laughs> I think like that entire row said it. Um, um, Fortnite, yeah, Fortnite can bring some joy at Christmas, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that bring you joy at Christmas, right? Gifts. Um, it's really fun to cook with your family, spending time with family, football, Right, all those kinds of stuff, all those kind of things are really, really fun. But the one thing that can allow us to have so much joy is really what it comes back down to, right? One of my favorite Christmas songs is Joy to the World. And what, is it, what does it say? Joy to the world, what? The Lord has come, right? That's something to celebrate. That's something to be joyful about. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's so great. Now the world has joy. The world has this joy that only the Lord can bring. But in the, if we look in the, New, or the Old Testament, 
we actually see that this joy's been there. This joy of the Lord has been there before, but now we just have an embodiment of it. At Christmas, we get to see the embodiment of the joy of the Lord. And so we're going to look at a passage today in Nehemiah 8.10. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to that passage, we'll get there in a second. But in this passage, basically, um, Israelites had just gotten done rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the city, um, and now they're celebrating. And Ezra is actually reading the law of God to the people. So the people ask him to read the law of God, and he is now starting to read it. And basically, the law of God is just like, um, it's just like Leviticus, um, Numbers, stuff like that. Like that, those books of the Bible, those are the law of God, and they tell what people should be doing and how they should be walking in their faith. And so when Ezra is reading it to them, Ezra is reading it and he interprets it for them because it's in a different language. But once he interprets it, all the Israelites start crying. All the Israelites are like really upset and they're really, they're really sad and they even start to grieve. It says most of them were weeping because they were so torn up about their sin. That's a sad place to be, right? Because when they heard that law of God, they realized they hadn't been doing it right. They realized that they weren't, they weren't doing what God wanted them to do. And so they got really upset and really sad in themselves. They felt really convicted. And although that's a really good thing, conviction can be a really good thing sometimes because it brings opportunity for revival, brings opportunity for the right direction. They were so down in their sin that they were forgetting the bigger picture. So Nehemiah says something really profound right here. He said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is, the holy, is holy to the Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So first, let's start off with what he says at first. He says, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to, the, to our Lord. It's like, okay, what are, what are you talking about? That doesn't really have anything to do with it. He's just telling them, basically, go forth and follow the law. For this, this day is holy. God, God is saying to go, or um, Ezra is saying to go forth and follow God's law. And then we get to the last part, and he realizes how they've responded, and he realizes that they're upset about their sin. And so he says, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. But wait, I thought the joy of the Lord was Jesus. Like, I thought that's where we got it. Nehemiah's pointing forward. Nehemiah's reminding them of God's promises. He's reminding them that no matter how deep in their sin they feel, God is bigger, right? God is bigger than sin. Like, sin's, sin's tiny compared to God. God has such a bigger picture that getting up so upset over your sin now is, is not worth it. Move forward. God is bigger. God's got bigger things for you. And so he's trying to teach them and he's trying to make sure that they don't forget, that they don't let their, although Jesus hadn't come yet, they don't let their knowledge of their sin surpass their knowledge of their God. Because when, you let, when that happens, then Satan starts to get in and try to make you feel shameful. And so, Fast forward, fast forward 400 years, what happens? 
Jesus. Yeah, good, good answer. That's the Sunday school answer, right? Jesus is born. Well, there's a baby lying in a manger, and all of um, it's peaceful, and finally the long-awaited Messiah is there. He's finally come, right? And he has this joy that was promised. He's actually the embodiment of it. But what makes him the embodiment of it is the fact that God sent him with each one of you and each one of everybody on the world in mind. Before y'all could even speak, before y'all were even born, he was thinking about you. Before Jesus was even born, he knew that Jesus would have to come and he knew that Jesus would have to die on that cross. He sent his son knowing full well that Jesus was going to have to die for the salvation of this planet. So we could walk every day with a joy that reminds us that no matter what you're walking through, no matter your sin, no matter your struggles, no matter your family situation, no matter your past, God is bigger. We can walk through with this joy because we know that we're already saved. And just like Nehemiah, or just like it says in Nehemiah, Ezra was telling the Israelites, you can't let your knowledge of your sin surpass your knowledge of God. Surpass your knowledge of Jesus as your savior. Because Satan is gonna want you to look at all this different sin, all these struggles. Oh look, 2020 is terrible. Oh look, I, have, mm, I don't wanna address that. That's a lot of sin. Oh look, my family situation's bad. Oh gosh, I got rejected by that girl at school. Like that, that's what Satan wants you to look at, but Jesus wants you to look at him. Jesus wants you to know, because Jesus knows that if you look at him, Satan knows this too. If you end up looking at Jesus, he's not gonna have any control over you. Because as soon as you look at Jesus and you know the truth, you know that he is bigger than everything in your life. And you can walk with joy. You can walk with joy every day, knowing full well that your sin is gone, your situations are in God's control, and you can walk with joy knowing that God's plan is better than anything we could imagine. But without, without God's unending love for us to be able to send his son, knowing full well that he would have to die for us, we would never have this joy. But because of God's love, we now have this joy and we are able to celebrate every day with a joy that reminds us that our God is bigger. Now Dallas is gonna come talk about the fourth and final candle of Advent and that is God's love. There's the tag in right there. Yeah, you guys can give it up for JJ. Good word on joy. So remember, we are talking Advent, we're talking you guys, I had to do this during Christmas charades, right? There's the candles uh, around a wreath. Typically, there's at least four candles, and so, so far we've lit uh, the candle of hope, the candle of peace, the candle of joy, and then the fourth week of Advent, or for us, the, the fourth, like, half of a message, basically, is on love. And JJ was, was talking about it, about God showing us his love, sending us love in the form of Jesus, right? We're going to read uh, probably the most familiar verse or, uh, yeah, it's just one verse in the Bible. It's John 3.16. It's about love, right? Probably you guys have 
De- definitely heard it before. Maybe you've memorized it. Uh, as we're looking there, how about you just give yourself a little hug and say, mmm, love, right? Mmm, love. Don't, don't look at your neighbor while you do it, okay? Because it's weird enough to hug yourself. Uh, don't look at your neighbor uh, and make it even more awkward, okay? But we are talking about love in this fourth, this fourth candle. And God shows us his love this way, right? This is how much he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life or should not perish but have eternal life, right? So you probably think about this verse and in most likely one way, right? That God loves us so much that he sent us his son. That's what, G- that's what uh, JJ was saying. I almost said that's what Jesus was saying. But that's what JJ was saying, right? That God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And that is definitely part of this verse. But there's another part that maybe you don't think so much about. But it's that this is also, this is not only showing how much God loves us, But this is the greatest showing of God's love for us. God loves us so much that the most loving thing he could do for us was send Jesus to live a perfect life that that we could never live, to die a death that you and I deserve, and to rise again conquering sin and death, to make a way for us to now experience God's love. Remember, Advent is, it comes from the Latin word Adventus. Does anybody remember what Adventus means? Anyone want to take a stab? Aiden? Maybe? Yes? Saul? Arrival. That's right. Advent means arrival, right? And so when Jesus comes in the form of a baby, God in the flesh, God in a bod, God in some type of, you know, diaper, whatever, whatever they had back then, cloth, right? When, when Jesus comes on earth, he is love in the flesh. At that first arrival, he is love in the flesh. Like, again, like JJ was saying, it's, it's this first time where we're not just hearing from God about what his love looks like and how it's to be lived out, but now Jesus is coming in the flesh and living love out in front of us. And it's written about in the Gospels. It's written about in, in the letters uh, from Paul and from other people that we were seeing what love should look like in the flesh. That's, that's the first arrival, right? Jesus comes and not only does he show us what love looks like, but he invites us to live the same way, right? So maybe we could ask ourselves, so if we're not just meant to experience this love from God, this love that Jesus came to model, but now we're supposed to live out this love in front of other people and towards other people, then how are we, how are we loving other people? Are we loving them well or are we loving them really poorly? Like, how did you love your family this morning as you guys were getting ready or on your way to church, right? Maybe that's a scary question for you. How well did you love your, your siblings this past week or your friends or even your enemies? Like, were you in the trenches throwing shade or spitting out rumors against your enemies, or were you, like, were you actually encouraging towards them and speaking well of them when they're not around? How well are you and I loving other people? This is important because, I mean, Jesus has asked, hey, how would you boil down all that we're supposed to do? How would you, how would you boil down how life is supposed to be lived, right? What's, what's the greatest, here's how it was asked, what, what's the greatest commandment, right? In fact, it happens in Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Uh, this guy's asking Jesus, he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he's kind of honestly probably trying to trap Jesus. 
And he said to him, Jesus says to this guy, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So here's what Jesus is saying. The biggest things in this life are this, that you would experience the love of God and that you, you would be in a loving relationship with God, right? That you and I would experience love with God, that we would love him, that he, obviously he does love us, and, and we're able to experience that fully because of Jesus coming, right? But then it doesn't end there. It doesn't, it's not just like, oh, yes, taste and see that the Lord is good, and then just go about the rest of your day. But then the second commandment goes right along with the first, is that this love that's coming to us from God would start to overflow onto the other people around us. That we now would love in the same way that God has first loved us. In fact, at other places in Scripture, Jesus says to his disciples, his closest boys uh, and some girls, right? Hey, people are going to know whose you are. They're going to know that you are people, you are children of God based on how you love. And the way I'm calling you to love is actually how I have been loving you. So we're supposed to experience God's love, and then we're supposed to love like God as we interact with all the people that we come in contact with. That's a huge call, right? It's a huge call in my life and in your life. So how, how do we do that? What does it look like, Jesus? Well, that's why he arrived. Part of it, right? He arrived to show us that this life is possible, that when we are walking in step and in connection with God, that we can love and live like God. So what does it look like to live and love like God? Well, look at the way that Jesus lived and loved. Maybe you're wondering over the next couple weeks, you're like, man, I kind of don't know what I'm going to do with all this time, right? For the first time in a while, you don't have to study. You don't have to go to classes. Like, it's going to be great. But maybe you're like, I know I'm, I'm going to have some extra time. If that's you and you're like, man, I, I, wonder, I wonder what really loving like God would look like. Just read one of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read one of the Gospels and see how Jesus interacted with people. And then ask God and ask yourself, is this what my life looks like? Is the way that Jesus loved and had compassion on people and took time to be interrupted by people and cared for people, is that what's seen in your life? And for me, is that what's seen in my life? So Jesus arrived so that we could fully experience the love of God, but he also arrived the first time so that we might actually start to live out the love of God. And then later on, because we, we know that we're, we're going to mess it up. We know we're going to make mistakes. We know we're going to fail. We're not going to live out God's love perfectly all the time. And there's grace and there's forgiveness for that. But one day, see, Advent points, to, points back to Jesus' first arrival, but it also points forward to his second arrival or his second coming, that one day Jesus will return. And for those of us who have put our faith and trust in him, he will usher in a new heavens and a new earth and there will be perfect love and perfect peace and perfect hope and perfect joy for all of eternity that we fully experience in every way, shape, and form all the time for eternity. 
And so maybe this Christmas, as you think about love and joy and peace and hope, you're looking around and you're like, man, like, I, I hear you, but I'm not, I'm not experiencing any of that, at least not yet. In fact, maybe for you, you're, you're looking at Christmas and you're looking at spending two weeks at home and some people are really excited and you're like, that's the last place that I want to be. Like, you know it's rough with your mom, with your dad, or with whoever you're living with, with your siblings. And, and maybe you're, you're feeling the tension. Like, I, there's going to be none of these four Advent candles. None of that's happening in my house. Or maybe you can already feel some tension brewing in a friendship that you have. Or, man, you're, you're, just, you're just unsure about this whole Christmas season. And where are you going to find these things that we've been talking about the last couple weeks? We know, yeah, okay, Jesus came and he brought that, and eventually he's coming back again, and he's going he's gonna to bring it. It's going to be perfect, but what about now? That's why it's so crucial that we, during this season, do what Advent is meant to help us do, that we step back, that we slow down, that we pull away from other people and the hustle and bustle of the season and that we really would sit before God and ask him, God, make me more aware of your peace. God, help me understand what it means to have hope that is assured. Help me, help me remember that you are the promise keeper. Lord, this joy that I'm experiencing, I know that it comes from you. Wash it over me. And God, your love, I need your loving embrace. If you're wondering where any of this comes from, it doesn't come up from you just trying and drumming it up on your own, but it comes from you and I being in real relationship with God, sitting before him every week, every day, and letting his spirit well those things up in your heart. And that's where the overflow comes from. That you start to be a person of peace, a person of hope, a person of love, a person of joy. Imagine if that was true about you. Imagine if you even had a friend that was like that. And many of you do. But that's, that's now who God has called us to be. It's people who embody those things because of the spirit who's living and dwelling within us. That is with us now because Jesus sent him when he no longer could be here on earth. So may you and I, this Advent season, take steps back to do just that, to be with our Father. Let him wash all of who he is over us. Let him refresh our hearts and our spirits with himself and to live out these four things in our own lives. Imagine, imagine if at Christmas dinner, you know, that conversation comes up and everybody tenses up and you're like, uh-oh, I don't know where this is going to go, right? If in that moment you were a peaceful presence or a loving presence, and instead of like joining in and, and talking trash or, or whatever the conversation is, that you would offer encouragement. Imagine as you're opening your gifts this Christmas, I don't know if you have a family member who, it's just like every gift they get, it's like, what, what? this isn't the right color, or where did you get this? Is this like a knockoff brand, right? Like every gift is questioned. I don't know if you have anybody in your family who does that. Maybe it's you. Like, are you, are you kidding? You're, whoever bought presents for you, they spent time, they, they spent money, they had to work to get that money, they had to at least go on Amazon and make some clicks, right? Like somebody put some effort and some thought and some love and some care into that, and you're complaining? Imagine if 
Instead of complaining, you offered something that was more loving or joyful. Like a, a, a true thank you for the gift, even if it's not quite the thing that you thought you were going to get. Or that when somebody else is complaining, that you are, are a, a Christ-like presence in that moment. What would happen if this Christmas over the next couple of weeks as you have time, more time than ever maybe with your brother or your sister or with whoever it is in your family that you tend to clash with, if you were patient and loving towards them? Man, it would, it would make this whole holiday season a lot different. A lot different. For your family, for the people you come into contact with in your neighborhood or next door to you, and it could be something, if we really were living out these things that God wells up within us, man, it could change our entire city. In Jesus' name, may that be so. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for sending Jesus to live the life that we couldn't, to die the death that we deserved, and to rise again, conquering sin and death. We celebrate his arrival as a baby, beginning that journey. We celebrate that this Christmas. And we look forward to his second arrival, which will usher in an entire just love, joy, peace, hope, all of those things for all of eternity, new heavens and new earth, ruling and reigning with you. We look back and we look forward. And in the middle of that, though, God, we, we just ask you to make us people who embody those things right now. May we be this Christmas people who are hopeful, people who bring peace, people who love, and people who are joyful with everyone we come in contact with. And with those things, would they come from you? Help us to step back, to slow down, to be with you this season, to remember the real reason that we celebrate. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.